Okay, 23, we're going to start in verses 32 through 43. Here we are. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. Oh, he saved others! Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah! (laughs) The Chosen One! The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself! (laughs) An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us! But the other answered him, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Lord Jesus, Lord, as you sit in this moment, remembering these last hours that you hung on the cross. Your your blood was shed. Every ounce of every cell in your body, Lord, was aching with pain and stress. Lord, you did all these things for us and for our sake. And as we enter into this moment with you, Lord, as your word says, the joy set before you, you you endured the cross. And so, Lord, let us enter into this joy that you experienced while you hung on the cross. Even in your agony, even in your shame, Lord, you did it because you were joy-filled because of what it was accomplishing. And let us see our place with you on the cross. And the joy that we live in today and forevermore. Open our eyes, open our ears. Lord, speak to us here this morning. Lord, we pray against any any spirit, any enemy that would dare to come and try to distract us or to diminish your joy here this morning. We just pray, Lord, that your spirit and your and Lord, your your presence would just fill this place here this morning. That we would engage and encounter your presence here today through your word and through your spirit. For it's in Jesus that we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. There's an old song that was, that was sung, and it's got many different stanzas to it. 
But the, the very first one is the one I want to talk about here this morning. It goes like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? It goes on to different stanzas where he says, Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when he was buried in the tomb? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? And the point I want to make here this morning is yes! Yes! You were there because you died with Him. I died with Him. In these moments, we were there as much as He is here today. We were there. So the answer, were you there? when they crucified our Lord? You can say, yes. Yes. This is the very essence of the core of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the core of this entire book. This moment right here is the core of our faith. This is the gospel. As a, as a translation of scripture goes, the nails of his cross were cruci- the, the nails of his cross crucified me with him. As it says this, this is Galatians 2.20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. The nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the Anointed One lives His life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, dispensing His life into mine. This is the core of the hope and the goodness of the Gospel. This is the love of Christ put on display. This is the mystical union of the purpose of Jesus coming and being born, of coming and suffering under Pontius Pilate, of of dying this horrible death, and being raised from the tomb three days later. This is the essence of our entire faith. This is the reason why Shift Church exists. It's because Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Our, our old self was nailed to the cross. Was nailed to the cross. And our old self died. We died to this world. And He has come and filled us with Himself. Given us full access to the Father. 
full access to Yahweh. This is the goodness of our faith. This is the hope of glory. The mystery hidden before ages in Christ. Now put on display Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so this passage might sound ominous. This this passage might sound depressing and even fill us with anger. But it should fill us more with joy because of what it accomplished. Because remember, I died with Him. You died with Him. We died with Him. So let's look at this passage here this morning. The place of the skull. Now there's been different debates and arguments and points and th- stuff like that kind of down, put down through the ages. There's even like a, t- you know, they say like, you know, the mountain looked like a skull because it had this and this and like a, had a mouth opening and stuff like that. Other people just said it was the place of execution. So there was a bunch of skeletons everywhere. So that's why they call it the place of the skull. There's also another interpretation that I actually quite fancy. Um, so the word Golgotha is a mixture of two words, Goliath and Goth. Gath, the place where Goliath was from. And this is from 1 Samuel 17, 54. As you know the story, if you don't know the story, David, old, you know, King David, back in 1000 BC, um, when, he was, when he was about 21 years old, um, took you know, a stone, he grabbed five, but he only needed one, and he went up, and this little scrawny kid, and went, and the, you know, Goliath was there, the, the leader and the, and the warrior of the Philistines. He was like, yeah, you send me you know, one guy and we'll fight. We'll fight to the death. And whoever wins, then the other team will be the, our, our slaves. What? So like, basically, like, you know, Goliath was saying, if I beat your warrior, all of Israel, all the Hebrews will be the Philistines' slaves. But if you beat me, then all the Philistines will be Israel's oh. slaves. Wow. And David was like, this little scrawny, I wouldn't even say scrawny, honestly. Like, I think that's a misnomer. Uh, I mean, he killed bears and lions for a living. I mean, come on, this dude is probably burly. You know? <laughs> he may have been short and burly, but... <laughs> but So he, he took five stones and he went up there because he knew he had faith in the Lord. He said, I will conquer you. Well, because the Lord is behind me. The Lord is upon me. Because the Lord had anointed him and came upon him when he was 14 when he was called to be king over all of Israel. So he took this, this, this stone and within a sling and right in, the, right in the forehead, embedded itself, went down. And then what did David do? Chopped off his head. He took Goliath's sword, which was probably ginormous, you know, cut off his head. And then, 1 Samuel seventeen fifty four. David took the head of Goliath, the Philistine, and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put Goliath's weapons in his tent. So the word Golgotha comes from Goliath in the Aramaic. So this was probably the place where Goliath's head was buried. And this is where they executed people outside the walls of Jerusalem. So that's what, that's, that's kind of another, another opinion to throw on the pile of the skull. Right, so not saying it is, but it's another cool perspective that we can look at, and which I, I, I favor it. I like it. 
Um, so, and then what does it say? He, they crucified him there. Let's talk a little bit about crucifixion. Crucifixion, like we've been talking about, was the most brutal form of execution ever created by humans. Where they would, they would literally nail you to something and, and leave you to die. And a lot of times they would do this, like if they found a, you know, if they crucified you like out in the woods, they would just nail you to a tree. Put your arms up on branches, nail your feet to the trunk, and then leave you to die. If it was an official one, they would make, they would actually make the posts and everything, and, and they had a, a place where they would crucify you. Sometimes they even had a scaffolding where all they really did was put you, you know, put the board up there, hang it on there, and then tack your, your feet into place. Or like we talked about last week, they had the pillars, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the, you know, the pole, you know, attach, you know, down into the, into the stone, and then they would attach the person to the, the cross beam, the stauros, right? You know, the cross beam, and nail them to that, and then tack it into place, or like put it up on top, and then tack their, their feet into place. And there's, there's different evidence of, you know, the crossing of the feet, but there's also evidence of going through the side of the heel. They would tack, there was a, there's a place right here in the middle of the joint where all the nerves and all the veins collide. And that's where they would have placed it. So that every movement that you did shocked your entire body. And every time you had to breathe, you had to push yourself up to breathe because you were literally hanging there by your hands upright like this. And the size of the cross was probably about that. But probably a foot on, you know, down on the ground because they wanted you to see, look into the eyes of the, of the accused. Because remember... These weren't Romans that, you know, there was not one Roman that was crucified because it was illegal. It was against Roman law to be crucified because it was so horrendous. It was so painful. The same thing with the hands. It wasn't here. It wasn't here. It was this little, there's this little spot right here in between all the, the joints and the bones. And the Romans knew how to find it. There's a little, a little itty bitty hole right here where all the nerves can join on the back and all the veins cross through. And so it nicked those and you would slowly bleed to death. You would either die of suffocation, shock, or blood loss. Or suffocation, blood loss, or shock. Or just simply dying of exposure. Because they would just tack you up there and leave you. They would leave you up there. Dehydration, right? In the sun. Suffocation. But here's the interesting thing about crucifixion, is that most often... We don't see this in our passage here, but actual crucifixion, they wouldn't take the bodies down. They would leave them up there to rot after they died and decompose. So you'd be walking into town and seeing this decomposing corpse on a cross. Maybe with hands still tacked up there because the rest of the body decomposed and fell off. That's why this was, this was a special thing. We'll get to that next week. But th- this was a disgusting demoralizing, because you were crucified naked. You were fully exposed to the world. And with the accusation above you, and people would hurl things at you, like the people in the stocks that would throw vegetables and crap at you. Feces. This was a horrendous way to die. And what does Jesus say in the midst of all this suffering and shame? Father, forgive them. Martyrs and criminals wouldn't do this. 
they would be cursing their executioners. They would be picking a fight with the people down there that were hurling accusations against them. Or the, you know, the people there that would just be like hurling insults at them. But Jesus created a new way. He said, this is, you know, the way of Jesus is forgiveness and even shalom. This love. God's desire for shalom for his own enemies. That's why he was on the cross in the first place. He was coming to love his enemies. And who were his enemies? Us. Humans. People. Outside of the relationship with God. He loved his enemies before we were ever ever deserving of it. We didn't deserve it. We did not deserve the cross of Jesus. We deserved the cross for ourselves. But Jesus spoke. Not just spoke these words, but He embodied them. He was embodying them on the cross itself. He said, Father, forgive them. Which is the essence of the cross itself. is forgiveness of sins. Restoration of our relationship with God. His love poured out for us. What does it say? The Bible said, For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. For the joy set before Him. What was the joy? Our forgiveness. That was His joy. And then what do we do with all these little weird details about the crowd and about the, the soldiers? You know, like you said, they, they rolled the dice for His clothes. They called him the king of the Jews. He saved others. What do we make, what do we make of this? There's even, a, there's even another passage of Scripture that you know, in Matthew and Mark that, that he, I believe it's or Mark and John, there's a, another phrase, because there's many, many phrases that Jesus spoke from the cross. But the one that's not included in here that I think is very important for us to understand the context of this is actually the, the words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Or Ali Ali Lama Azabtani in the Hebrew. Which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some people will say, Well, that's because God abandoned him. God turned his face upon you know from Jesus. I don't believe that G that God the Father ever took his eyes, face, or attention off of Jesus. I think Jesus was doing something much more powerful. I believe that Jesus... So these words, Ali, Ali, Lama, Azabtani, are in Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a, is a, is a psalm uh, of David. Uh, this is for, you know, for the choir director, according to the deer of the dawn, from suffering to praise. And this is known as the, the psalm or the song of the suffering servant. What I think Jesus was doing was he was singing a song. I think he may have been singing those words. Ali, Ali, al-Zatadami. Maybe they've been starting to sing the melody to this song so that they would get it. Listen to this. Listen to Psalm 22 and see if you can hear. Hear all the context here with the dice and the he saved others and king. Whatever. Here we go. Listen to this. My God, my God, 
Why have you abandoned me? Sound familiar? I think this is why he spoke those words on the cross. Was to pull their attention in. Say, are you looking? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Watch. Watch me. I am the suffering servant. Listen. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him, since he takes pleasure in him. Sound familiar? It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me, because distress is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me. Lions mauling and roaring. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You fear the Lord. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. All you descendants of Israel, revere Him. For He has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide His face from Him, but listened when He cried to Him for help. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. For He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before Him. Even the one who cannot preserve His life. Their descendants will serve Him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what He has done. That's us. So did you hear it? Verse 18. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. King of the Jews. right? For kingship belongs to the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus. Hanging on the cross. Kingship belongs to the Lord. So really the accusation against Him is the truth. 
He is the king of the Jews, the rightful heir of the throne of David. Verse 8, let, he relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him as the accusations hurled against him. Jesus is saying, do you not hear what you're saying? Do you not see what's going on at my feet? This is Psalm 22 on display being fulfilled before your very eyes. But it's interesting to note, they missed it. They missed it. And they hurled an accusation against them. What was their accusation? All of them, every single one of them, except one guy at the cross was hurling an accusation against them. What was it? If. If. This little word. If. What do you say? If, what? You are the Messiah. What? Save, heal, deliver yourself. Prove it. Prove it. Well, by our standards, of course. Come off the cross. Do the very opposite of your mission on earth. Do the very opposite of Scripture, of who the suffering servant was supposed to be. What does it say? Even in, look at that passage. They have pierced, they, they've pierced my hands and my feet. He had to die in this exact way. You would think that that line alone in Psalm 22 would get their attention. Which we'll talk about next week. Because it did. Psalm 22 landed on them like a heap of bricks. What's happening here? If, 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 even the thief on the cross, if you're the Messiah, save us! Right? Is that well, they're putting the Lord God to the test? If you are such and such, where have we heard this before? Satan in the wilderness. If you are truly the Messiah, if you're truly the Son of God, turn these rocks to bread. If you're truly the Son of God, throw yourself off the temple. If you're truly the Son of God, blah, 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 blah. it's that word if. If you're this, do this. Prove it by my standards. Do we have ifs for Yahweh? If you're truly God, if you're truly real, do this for me. If you're the Lord, save me this way. Prove it this way. This is what I want. But it's interesting to see the dichotomy on the cross from all the ifers. The ifer on the, cro- on the cross next to him compared to the remember me guy. The faithful criminal, what, got paradise. The ifer guy got death. The faithful criminal got paradise. The faithful criminal, he believed. And he entered into his forefather's lineage. How? Abraham. Think about Abraham. He was saved by, or his, his faithfulness was counted to him as righteousness. His belief in Yahweh, his faithfulness to Yahweh was accounted to him as righteousness. And that's what's happening on the cross. 
The thief didn't say, if you're the Messiah, remember me. He just said, remember me. His faith saved him. He believed that the guy who was dying next to him was God, was the Son of God. He was literally being crucified with Christ. But Jesus took his eternal crucifixion upon himself. And the thief died with Christ physically and spiritually. He joined us and our crucifixion with Christ that day. Remember me. What is this word? Remember me. You know, bring me with you. I want to go with you. I want to be where you are, Jesus. And what did Jesus say? <laughs> you will be with me. You will be with me. Jesus took all of the sin of the thief of the criminal from him while they're both dying on crosses together. Here's an interesting thought. Jesus died before the the criminal. So in essence, the criminal was the first one to die after Jesus. Think about this. Like, you know, the the thief, you know, dies... Um, and, and you know, on, you know, while he's looking at the, uh, just think about this. You know, just thinking about the thief. You know, soon died after Jesus, and he 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 died looking at the dead body of Jesus. Which we'll get to next week. But then he himself, what he gets his legs broken, right? Because the the, the Pharisees don't want the bodies on the cross for for the Sabbath. So they break his legs and he therefore, he dies quite soon after. And guess he, and he's like the first in line, you know, in heaven. He's like, oh. <laughs> Imagine this picture. Like he dies looking at Jesus' dead corpse on the cross and wakes up and sees Jesus' resurrected eternal body. Glorified. He's like, hey, I know you. What is Paradise. Paradise. This word in the, in the Greek um, has this really beautiful connotation, which I absolutely love. It's garden. It's Eden. It's, it's reminiscent of going back to Eden. So paradise is the garden and or the, you know, the mountain of God, as it says in the Old Testament. The place for the righteous. The place where Yahweh himself dwells. The very presence of God dwells there. And those who are crucified with Christ, who have died with Him, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, will live with Him. Jesus' promise to the criminal on the cross is His promise to us today. We have died with Christ. We will live with Him in paradise, in His garden, on the mountain of God. Romans 6 says, Now if... We died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with Him. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, He is never going to die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. 
For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I love this translation of of, uh, Colossians 2. I think it's a really faithful uh, translation of this. It says this from uh, between verses uh, 6 through uh, 15 here. It says, In the same way you received Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further and further into your union with Him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into His life. So as you are continually infused with strength, Encourage in, be encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith. You have absorbed and enriched. You have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to Him. Beware that no one distracts you or, or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're really full, fulfilled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not to the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilty and po- guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of the realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Because I died with him. Let those words be on your heart, in your spirit, on your lips, when you're praying. I died with him. The entire debt against me that, was, that stood to indict me, was nailed to the cross. All the guilt, all the shame, all the sin, all the penalty, Jesus took it all. Like I've said before a million times, Jesus' death on the cross was not a preloaded gift card that, swiped, that you swiped to forgive you all of your 
former sins, and now you have to reload it by your good works in order to swipe whenever you sin. We don't try to keep a short account with Jesus, keep a short account with God by doing good works in order to make sure that we're in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we live? How do we live in that freedom? How do we live with Jesus? You know, Jesus' joy set before him was the cross. And now on this side of the cross, what is our joy? The joy set behind us was the cross to propel us toward our joy of Christ face to face in his kingdom. That motivates us. I did a, a coffee with Alan. Go, go and check it out. From uh, I think it was on, on uh, Wednesday uh, or Tuesday. And it was all about self-control. Basically, like, this is the way in which we live. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, now, they use the analogy of a car. right? So you have three things that you control a car with. You control it with your steering wheel, first and foremost. Your accelerator, because without the accelerator, you can't go anywhere. You can't actually steer and do anything. But you also have the brake. The problem with a lot of the preaching in America is that we preach brake pedal theology. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Stop, 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 stop. Don't, 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 don't. Versus go. Live this way. Engage life this way. Here's how you love your enemies. Here's how you love your family. Here's how you reach the nations for Jesus Christ. Here's how you reach your city for Jesus Christ. Here's how you, how you steer your own life. How, you know, how the Lord steers and, and directs your trajectory. Because the steering wheel, you'll, if you don't have the steering wheel, you'll, you'll, you could end up in a good place, like the ice cream shop, or you could end up off, off a cliff. But, but God is, is directing you. Go this way. This is why we walk by the Spirit. You know, the steering wheel is walking by the Spirit. And how much we accelerate or, or stop, divert, go a different direction. There's, there's different ways, but the joy set before us, where is the destination? Because we're walking, we're driving through life with the Lord Jesus. He's with us. He's in the passenger seat, but He's also in us as well. So it's like He's, he's in the driver's seat and so are we. So by the joy set before us, we run the race. So that we run the race set before us with Christ as our goal, with Christ as our joy. We live by the power of the Holy Spirit, walking by the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Knowing that all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the unrighteousness, all of the guilt, all of the accusations, anything, everything that separated you from God was nailed to the cross and crucified and it died. As it's called, been called your old self or your sinful nature, it's dead. So how then shall we live? Brothers and sisters, how then shall we live? By the power of the Holy Spirit, 
and the communion of saints. Encouragement and prayer. By this, said your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Knowing that we died with him. Were you there when they crucified our Lord? Yes. Yes, you were. The nails of his cross crucified us with him and we have been set free. Live free. And now we live by faith, devotion in him. And we will live with him forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Live by our living Jesus, we thank you for this morning and your presence with us, Lord. You are so good. You are so good, Lord Jesus. Walk with us through this life, Lord. Keep our focus on you, Lord. We know that when we're faithless, you are faithful. Lord, bring us along, Lord, to steer our lives Help us to accelerate, go, live this life by faith in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, guide us. Help us to walk by your presence. Help us to walk in the freedom that you have given us. The joy that was set before you, Lord, let that be the fuel in our lives. Let that joy drive us to the author and the perfecter of our faith, you, Lord Jesus, and to the Father. Let us live by the power and the presence of Yahweh. You are so worthy of everything, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Amen.